0: So let's talk about Marjorie Hernandez. They never thought that I would see the day that you had to dress up for being on computer in the metaverse in another world. Oh my God. How did she think of that? What do you know about this, Addie?
1: I love the idea of taking the world of fashion and doing what her company is called dematerializing it, turning it into something that is not something you literally touch but something that you experience. And I think as our brains widen out in our ability to perceive that, why shouldn't fashion live in the metaverse? I mean, you think about the sustainability benefits from that, how it can help the planet. I think it's pretty amazing.
0: Yeah. Will she design what you wear to a bar in the metaverse? And then will she design, or will someone barware or furniture, lounges, what smells and color? And is it going to be an imitation of real life? there's no reason why it shouldn't be
1: just this vast digital twin of everything right yeah and how that evolves and how that unfolds and what companies and brands and forces will occupy that space is what the exciting moment we're at is all about but you're right if done right with the right level of engagement there is no stopping it it is like finding another planet with life on it it's like everything is starting
0: again you said that? I think that's brilliant. I'm going to tweet that. That's gorgeous. I'll give you credit, but wow, no, that's the most brilliant description of the metaverse I've ever heard. Well, why don't we let our guest in and see I what she has to say? Marjorie, welcome Thank you so to Jolti. Adam Hamft is my are you? host, and we're so excited that you're here. And we have so many, so many, so many, so many questions to ask you. So we'll start with asking you this. Give us a little bio on you, a little background on you.
2: Oh, thank you so much. I'm very happy to meet you both and super excited about being part of your podcast. So, yes, well, I'm Marjorie. Um, I was born in Venezuela. Almost 37 years ago, I grew up in Caracas, which is the capital of Venezuela. I went to school for architecture. I actually managed to graduate and become an architect. And then immediately realized I don't want to be an architect, at least professionally. In the traditional sense, I started doing, working in different different projects. I was working for, for an artist initially, and then I started working for creative agencies, which evolved into me working for Yang and uh, building their an innovation lab. And that's the point where kind of like my private interests and my professional career kind of merged because back then we were quite involved in the blockchain space and very curious about technology and what was happening in that sense. And then, yeah, one thing led to another. And then I started my first venture, which is Luxo. And then we published this beautiful white paper called Blockchain for a New Creative Economy in 2018. And then in 2020, I started a second venture with my partner, Karina Grant, which is called the Dematerialized, and it's a digital fashion market space, and not only for digital fashion, for digital goods in general, but of course, we have a strong, strong focus in fashion. And that's what I do.
1: The blockchain, when you think about architecture and building, the blockchain is often used as a metaphor, right? We're building on the blockchain, it's built on the blockchain. So do you see a connection between architecture and the spatial configurations of architecture and blockchain?
2: Absolutely. When I study architecture, I was yeah. dealing with 3D softwares all the time. Stuff interesting to, to see how. And then my co-founder, the DMAT, she's always like, How do you know all of this stuff? And I'm like, I study architecture, you know, like it's kind of like seems not to make a lot of sense at first. But yeah, definitely. I think architecture is just a really good way, a framework for thinking and for certain problem solving. And I think with blockchain technologies, it's about this infrastructure that seems to be wonderful to settle issues, to settle problems, to have transparency. And I think as as architects, it's something that we can relate to.
1: Talk about dematerialize so our audience can sort of understand what the vision is, how you're taking fashion and and expanding it beyond just the physical into the virtual world and how the blockchain enables the authenticity.
2: Amazing. Well, The Dematerialize is an incredibly beautiful project driven by an insanely talented team. And basically what we're doing is we're building a product in the company of our dreams, our fascination around the dematerialization of goods. And this is a phenomenon that we have experienced, you have experienced it through our lifetimes, how all the certain products used to exist, they become dematerialized because as soon as they can be digitized, they will be digitized. And now we're at that point in time, that something that seemed like it would be impossible to disrupt by digital technology as it was fashion. or of a sudden it seems like it's going to happen. And then technology is unavoidable. We know it, That is okay if we're moving to this future in which we're spending more and more time in virtual environments, in which we are literally building a reality on top of this reality, to a point in time in which our little old brains from millions of years ago cannot tell the difference between one reality and another, fashion will and should translate in the space as well because we want to do the same things that we do in real life or in physical life, sorry, which is express ourselves and have something to differentiate ourselves from our peers, et cetera. So basically making everybody's dreams come true in terms of freeing fashion from its materiality from the limitations based by physics, by the limitations based on uh, environmental impact, and just basically living in this reality that is only full of fantasy and beauty. So that's what we decided to do, to make a destination where creators can enter and start creating products and give those products that will exist as NFTs on a decentralized network, an array of utilities, a market evaluation, a supply, etc., and give an ability to connect with users around the globe and just do that. And that's how the dematerialized started.
0: Can anybody then come in? Can we buy something? Yes.
1: You can buy the white pixel combat boots. A five thousand dollar pair was sold. I saw.
0: Yeah, yes. but I'm saying, can I translate it into physical life?
2: Depends of what you consider physical life. Wear it to the Met Gala. Well. Yeah, yes and no. In certain products that we have are digital. So they come with potentially with a physical product, a physical component. I am a firm believer of having primarily digital products. So you could be wearing it in the Met Gala. If Adam is with you and snaps a picture of you with a filter, it can look like you are wearing it. At the Metcala. In physical reality, you were not wearing anything in color. At least if you get one of the digital ones, then you could.
0: Could I copy it in real fabric, in real life?
2: You could replicate it. And you can always, and I'm a firm believer when people are very concerned about copying, it's like, listen, anything that anybody can see can be copied. If I can see it, I can copy it. That doesn't mean that they are duplicating the ownership, but they can copy the design 100%. They could.
1: Your goal is for Melda Marcos to have 10,000 shoes in the metaverse and one pair of her
2: closets. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's our vision. I think we have an actual real problem with consumption in the world right now. And we realize, okay, we cannot consume, at least in the Western world, where the overconsumption is primarily happening. We cannot consume at this speed without destroying our environment and even it ruins for the generations after us. So there's a, a clarity in there, but at the same time, there's a lot of wealth being created, and I think it's part of human nature wanted to explore new products and have beautiful things. So I think we just have to find ways that in which we can do that without having the downside. And I think digital products can and will be potentially a very good avenue for that.
0: I have a question, which is. What I feel you're describing is we're going to be living more and more in that metaverse.
2: You know, I think, first of all, what is the metaverse? And I think the metaverse is that next evolution of the internet. It's the next stage. We were able to communicate, to have social media, to have the internet of values. And now we're having this next thing that is supposed to be much more immersive and kind of like break free from this glass mirror. Situation that we have going on and carrying our devices all the time. It should become even closer and closer to us. My personal belief is that vision of the metaverse is a true juxtaposition of both realities, and they are happening constantly. It's like all the time.
1: When you were talking about the metaverse blurring into what we call reality, I was thinking about magic realism about the fiction from South America.
0: Explain for our audience, Annie,
1: what magic realism is, please. It's a narrative style. It's a fictional approach to storytelling, which blends what might happen and you feel you understand it to things that are a little bit more surreal, a little bit more imaginary, but the distinction between them is blurred. So the character moves from one to the other within the same narrative structure.
2: That that was perfect, Adam. And you don't believe how happy I am that you mentioned this because I think this is such an important part of how I see the world, quite frankly. Magic realism, even I grew up in a very kind of like a very pragmatic for, for Latin America, very pragmatic, you know, yeah. household. And still it is very ingrained in the way we see the world. And of course, the beauty of Latin America. Even more so than North America, I guess, is that you really had that blending of all of these cultures, right? That you have African culture, Native American culture, and European culture really merging into one thing. So, even if most Latin people are Catholic on right. the book, then they have all of these other sets of beliefs. They're part of the folklore of Latin America that is informed by all of these other cultures. So, it is very interesting. Now I forgot the question. I just got to think about magic realism. What was the question?
1: No, there was really really more of an observation about, do you believe that that approach to thinking about multiple worlds is reflected in your work?
2: 100%. Actually, I was talking about this last night. I was explaining this to, to an Austrian friend. That's why I was smiling so much as you said it. I was explaining her the magic realism in Latin America. And in a way, I think the reason why Latin American people are so optimistic, even though political situations and the comic situation can sometimes be more than challenging, but horrendous, and people are still quite optimistic, is because there's always the belief that things will be fine, that things are okay. Sometimes in your life you perceive signals, or there are certain moments where things seem to make sense, or there's these funny coincidences makes you feel like this is myself sending me signals back in time or this is this like am I part of a bigger simulation? I don't know, but definitely. And I think Latin American that part of Latin America really makes for people who are very prone to to yes. to believe in, 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 in certain
1: and imagine power of imagination.
2: Uh, imagination, yeah. So yes.
1: I, I want to ask about America's obsession with stuff. We love stuff. There's a whole industry of self-storage warehouses, because we bought too much stuff to keep in our houses, so we have to rent space to have our stuff, which we never use, see, or touch. So in some way, is what you're building a healthy alternative for our worst impulses? We can continue to be Americans and acquire and consume without screwing up the planet?
2: In a way, I think, yes. And I think when you are satisfying your impulses of consumption in a, somewhere, Right. Not that necessarily you don't need to look into that in a different way, because <laughs> you still look into it if it's very important. Potentially you will start making more conscious decisions in the physical world. I think that's kind of like a hope because your necessity for that endorphin kick that you get by yes. buying something new right. has been, you already it, got yes. it, right? That's part of your so mission, right? There is a freedom on having less things that we forget.
1: When you think about yeah. fashion, and design and the textural and the movement elements and all of that, how far away is technology from capturing what great fashion feels like in the real world?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. I think we have with CGI, we can create anything, but then the costs are quite high. So it's just a question until it becomes less and more and more demonetized and accessible. And I think it's just a matter of time. I think right now, we are kind of like when the kids at the mit were running around with tvs dropped to their heads designed when they were trying to design VR headsets in the 80s i think we're a little bit in that point not as dramatic we're a bit closer but it's like that the digital fashion experience that can be created via ar technology still have a certain look of a glitch and very far away from some of the beauty that we are used to in the real world i do like the glitchy look though i think it's really cool But I think it's just a matter of time until it gets really sophisticated. And like the fidelity is one-to-one and your eyes are deceived.
1: How would you like people to describe your role? Or how do you think of your role with the dematerial? Are you the host? Are you the curator? What role do you um, play?
2: So I think my role is just making things happen. Like, for example, I don't post a lot of pictures of me wearing the digital fashion, even though I have access to a lot of it. Because even though I enjoy it and I try it, it's not for me, it's for other people. Even though I love it and everything we do, I love and I use it and I'm a user, I feel it's more for somebody. I don't feel what I'm building is for myself.
0: Oh my God. I just don't even want to go on with my real physical life anymore. (laughs) (laughs) You've like just taken me over the edge. So uh, Addy, unless you have something else?
1: No, I think it's been, it's been a great conversation. Thank you very, very much for coming on. Thanks, with thanks us. again. So that was another episode of Jolty Faith and I enjoyed it. We love shaking things up. We love hosting people who are transforming the world, who refuse to accept the status quo, and who are hopefully and I think are helping our listeners succeed in this jolty, jagged, and complicated world that we're in.
0: So please rate us or comment on iTunes or the platform of your choice, but be nice.
1: Tell your friends and uh, see you next time.
0: Yeah. See you in the future, peeps.
1: See you in the future.